episode of 2021. Somehow made it remote and all. Though, maybe it's because we don't have to be in a room together, right, guys? We're at the shower. Oh, oh, you might need to work on that, Gary, before we're all together. Uh, no one needs the nerd funk going on in a room. It's kind of the worst smell on the face of the earth, but something that we are all familiar with. <laughs> so, um, tonight we're actually going to jump into quite a bit of news. And at the beginning of the year, we got a lot of stuff dropped on us. Uh, but before we dive into that, I guess we should probably identify our voices. So I'm Phil, obviously. Um, with me tonight is Darren. How are you, Darren? I appear regular in form and authentic. Uh, authentic is the word. Uh, and of course, Gary, you are back with us. Yeah. Kind of? Yeah, no. Yeah? I am here. I have to work on Gary's introductions. Yeah, I, I couldn't follow <laughs> up yours. That's the goo guy. Jeez. For those of us who stayed up late last night until Pennsylvania, and I'll just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us tonight, and, you know, from time to time in the foreseeable future, Matt. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing well. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, no, thank you. have to work on my intro as well. So. Uh, no, see, at least you said words. <laughs> <laughs> which is important in an audio medium, which we need to continue to point out to Gary that they can't see us. Uh, but, you know, such is life. All right. Regardless, we have so, so, so much to talk about tonight. How about you kick us off, Darren? Give us the big good news of the year so far. Well, 2021 is off to a start. We'll <laughs> leave it up to you guys to decide what kind of start that is. But while we were away... News from Warner Brothers and the DCEU, which usually means a head scratching, but not this time. Because it is now finally confirmed that Michael Keaton will return to play Batman in the, uh, in the upcoming Flash movie slated for release in 2022. WB has confirmed this after months of speculation led to this unsurprising conclusion. Beyond that, no pun intended... Nothing has been announced. Keaton's Batman remains wildly popular 29 years after he exited the role as no true successor has really risen to take his place. Curiously, the Nolan Bale trilogy of films are widely regarded as among the best in the superhero genre. I think we'd all agree to that, right? Um, but Christian Bale never seemed to, in terms of the, the massive fan, Batman fan base... He never seemed to take over for Keaton for some reason, and i got to admit, I feel the same. Um, rumors persist that Keaton will have a role as Batman beyond an appearance in The Flash. It was reported over the summer that he would play Bruce Wayne in a live-action Batman Beyond, and that Keaton's Batman would serve the DCEU in a similar capacity as Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury. While nothing further has been confirmed, this feels like a big deal to me. Um, I loved Michael Keaton as Batman. I think the fans loved him as Batman. And one of the things I've always appreciated about him, if you've ever seen interviews with him and they ask him, who's the best Batman? He always says, I am. And, <laughs> um, he never even hesitates. He doesn't give any justifications for why he doesn't compliment the other guys. He just says, I am. And, um, I, I I'm excited about this. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more to come about 
what his role is, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a little bit. But before we have... that, Darren, okay. I need to know, is this enough? Is this enough to start digging DC universe out of the the gutter that it has dug itself? See, I think it already did that, though. The, most of the recent movies were pretty darn good. Um Wonder Woman 2? No, I, I have to say we started watching it, and it felt like an episode of the Gilmore Girls. So, I don't... Um, oh, oh. I have it's not the seen the rest of the movie. I know well, I it's think... uh, it's getting some. It's not got the best reviews. But I'll say this: um, you're digging itself out of the gutter. From what I would, if you've seen some of the other DCEU movies prior to Wonder Woman, is it that bad? I mean, is it Batman versus Superman bad? I would. I would. I don't know. I. I'm, I don't want to. Don't say anything because I am going to try. We're going to try to watch it tomorrow, but. I, I, you know, I do understand your point, though, Phil. I have not seen Aquaman. I have not seen Shazam because I, I worked my butt off to catch up to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, you know, I'm still caught up, by the way. Well, yeah, that wasn't hard to do. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Right. Um. So, I, I listen, I'm going to see him play Batman. It is very interesting. Doesn't it say a lot how much they don't like the guy playing the Flash that they have to surround him with? Like, don't worry about that. We know you all hate him as the Flash. I haven't even heard the guy from the TV, Grant Gustin, is going to be in this movie to some degree. They're even bringing him in. They're like, we know you hate this guy. You won't even know he's there. <laughs> so, um, anyway, yeah. So, there's more to come on this. And I don't, I don't want to uh, bury the, uh, the millions of other leads we have in this episode. So, go ahead, Gary. The Flash is missing. We have to find him. By the end of the movie, yeah. yeah that's fine. We got plenty of other guys. ran a little too fast. <laughs> Speed Force. All right. Well, um, according to the TV guide, uh, there is a Lord of the Rings TV series currently in the works for Amazon Prime Video. Uh, here's what we know. Uh, Peter Jackson is not involved. It will be a prequel to the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings film series uh, set in the second age of Middle-earth which I believe lasted for about 3,400 years. Uh, Ended with the downfall of Sauron. You know, that was kind of the, I guess, flashpoint to the next age. Um, According to the Winter Press Tour, uh, season one will be eight episodes, although no length per episode was announced. 3,400 divided by eight. So (laughs) we'll see. Some cast has been revealed, but not which characters they'll play. Um, There were no real names that I recognized, uh, they made mention of, I guess, one actor from Game of Thrones that played like a young Ned Stark in a flashback. <laughs> okay. Like, so this is not going to be like one of those star-studded events where they're drawing people in with big, big name actors. So I kind of like that. Yeah, me too. Is Game um, of Thrones like playing for a Super Bowl team? Like a marginal guy in a Super Bowl team? You get signed to somewhere else and they're like, hey, we got this guy. Yeah, he's a Super Bowl champion. Yeah. I mean, a Game of Thrones is where a British actor has went to retire. And I also think it's like, it, it's the fantasy hall of fame too, right? Like yeah. if, if you were yeah. in Thrones, like you were in the show. Yeah. Once Harry mm-hmm. Potter movies ended, they had to find someplace to put all those Shakespearean. And, and, if, and if you died before say episode or like season seven, you were, you're, you're set. I am currently watching it for the first time. That was kind of one of my uh, lockdown things for uh winter break. Hmm. We're in halfway through season six. So I'm feeling it. I just saw the Ned Stark flashback. That's well, enjoy the last of the good seasons. You enjoy yourself, though. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. <laughs> well, uh, I guess they filmed two episodes of season one. Really? And based on that, they've already already renewed season two. 
I'm excited. This is being uh, filmed where the original one was. So um, that's really about all the details. So it, it's coming. They're filming it. They've been renewed for a season two. No actors of note that I was able to pick up on, and Peter Jackson is not affiliated. What? Didn't Amazon break the bank in order to purchase the rights to this show? I think I read somewhere where it was like $250 million just, just to rights. get the rights to air the show. Yeah, and it's going to cost them over a billion dollars to produce the show, period. So Bezos sneezed? Yeah, over a billion, I saw yeah. right. That's chump change. <laughs> <laughs> so Bezos had to uh, lift the cushions off of his couch in order to be able to fund. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, show. it's good. I, I love hearing more quality programming going to Amazon Prime Video. Um, after The Boys, I'm excited about Invincible, and this is on my list of things that that sound great that Amazon has their fingers in. And, and I like this because again, it, it's 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 a property that everyone's familiar with, but this is not a story that they are you know that already exists that they're going to put their twist on. You know, so it's not like, you know, every fanboy in the world is like, well, that's not right. That's right. You know, it's th- th- this is actually a, a property that I've been, I don't say really attached to. I mean, yeah. I I was forced to read a lot growing up, you know, summer reading, et cetera, et cetera. But these were books that I read voluntarily. Mm-hmm. You, you gave know, everything me your copies to read. This was fantastic. You, I, ha- I read I'm your copies. So I, I remember how big you were into it. I read your copies and, uh. I, taught, I read the Cimmerian. Yeah, I, I remember teaching the Hobbit, and uh, uh, and this was about six years ago when the movie came out, and I was real excited about it. And then there was three. They announced the three movies, the three Mo- Hobbit movie trilogy, and they were th- uh, three fourths of the way through the book at the end of the first movie. And my, my students are like, "What are they going to do with two more movies, Mister Piano?" Like. Man, I have no idea where this is going now. So yeah, I think you're, you you hit it on the head with this, Gary. I mean, it's certainly probably one of the best movie franchises of all time, and we don't—they're not going to be held to the the constraints of what we've already know. So I'm excited right. about it. So there's so Game of Thrones that we had mentioned. You know, people were con- you know contrasting how it separated from the book, uh-huh. and then how it got ahead of the book, and how you know. So this is just. I actually probably should have looked it up, but I don't know who's actually penning the uh, script for this. If it's been signed off on by the Tolkien people, or if this is, if they're doing it themselves, I don't know. I probably should have looked that up. No, don't worry about it. No, and I think there was something to do, though, with the fact of why they're putting it in that second age. I think they had to. I don't think they were allowed to have the property of the third age, though, the ones that we're most familiar with. I think they they weren't really allowed to explore that territory much. So, well, and again, I'm, that's, I'm excited for it. Been told, you know, and it was all based yeah. on the ring. Yeah. So, I mean, and there's such a healthy amount of information and world building that we have not seen that that they can delve deep into. I heard there was going to be a, a younger Galadriel, but there was not going to be a Legolas. Well, there wasn't uh, before. Yeah, that was Orlando Bloom's character. Yeah, but he wasn't in the book. Is what book? Is what I'm saying, right? Well, will Tom Bombadil finally make an appearance? <laughs> oh, Tom Bombadil! No. He just, I always have a picture of him just wild, like prancing through the fields with his whistle. Like, where is we miss you, Tom? Uh, so like I guess that it's sort of a uh, you know bullet point. 
but that is what we know so far, and I'm looking forward to it. I think well, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, speaking of Lord of the Rings, here's something that has nothing to do with it. Um, <laughs> Excellent segue. See, that's how it's done, Phil. Okay, pay attention. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm terrible at it. <laughs> the Superman Lois and trailer finally hit, especially that we're talking about something that's like literally six weeks away. And everyone was, uh, well, it was, uh, let's just say it was a little bit flaccid, I suppose we could say. Um, uh, so they released a pair of uh, teasers for the Superman and Lois show. Um, the first being the updated costume that actor Tyler Hoechlin will wear. More of a traditional Superman costume, but it does lean heavily into um, the Henry Cavill direction if you look at them. I say still a bit of an upgrade. He seemed to have like apulets on the shoulders for the other costume. I mean, it was okay for his uh, sporadic appearances, but you know, if we're going to watch this guy every week and I don't want apulets on the Superman costume. Um, I don't even know if that's the right term, but that's the closest thing I could find. Now the teaser was released and it was underwhelming at best. Even the voiceover was kind of like, you know, maybe he was just reading off a script or something. Um, this I, I, I'd say that probably part of the problem this close to the premiere, which is February 23rd, I think we were we should have seen a lot more by this point. Um, it is, of course, uh, joining the CW. I, I believe this is probably what they anticipated is, uh, you know, taking the place of Arrow. Listen, the CW, their pedigree is there. All right, they've done remarkable things with the amount of stuff they have to produce. Um, I don't, I don't watch all the shows. I watch Arrow, I watch The Flash. That was pretty much it. Although Lily and I are watching Star Girl, and we really, really like Star Girl. It is fantastic. Um, so of course I'm going to check this out. Um, but I'll see. My excitement's a little bit tempered. Fair enough. Well, unlike your excitement. Mine is through the roof. See, that's how it's actually done, Darren. Um, just, just as a side note. Uh, so we've had this massive drought, which I, we have not had since 2008, um, of new Marvel property like coming out, new movies, new TV shows. Um, and, you know, a lot of it had to do with COVID, obviously. We were supposed to have Black Widow back in May, if you can believe that. So to make up for that, there's quite a bit dropping. Specifically, uh, let's start with some of the Disney Plus stuff. Sorry, I have some rumbling in the background at the moment. I think Matt's touching himself. Crazy person. Um, so let's start with the MCU on Disney Plus. In one week, we get our first MCU show on Disney Plus, which is WandaVision. It drops January 15th. It is very different from what I've seen. We actually, I from the, the stills I have seen, which at this point in the world, even with me being a trailer dodger, um, it's impossible not to see any at all stills from these shows. Uh, but it looks like we get to see Scarlet Witch in a more comic appropriate outfit, at least for a little bit during it. Um, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a really interesting look into like the psyche of a character. So that's January 15th. A uh, couple months later, probably right around the time WandaVision is ending, we're going to get the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I feel like that is going to be a much more action-packed show than WandaVision and more of the 
almost Captain America-esque Marvel stuff that we're used to, uh, followed again, probably right afterwards, with Loki in May. And then, probably one I'm the most excited for, sometime in the mid-2021, they haven't exactly said the month release. We're going to get the animated shorts of What If, based off of the idea of those wonderful, wonderfully terrible and great comics. Thank goodness. Right. That was the thing I think you and I both said that we were the most excited for for a while. It was one of the first things they announced for Disney+, Plus, and I figured, oh, this thing's got to be right around the corner. And then they released the uh, those little mini trailers like a year and a half ago. And then I forgot all about it. I'm like, hey, what's going on with that thing? Well, what's going on is we'll probably get to actually watch it this year. And it's not that far away. Awesome. I can't wait. That's going to be cool. Yeah. I And I having an animated Marvel show will be, will be great. Um, hopefully. Hopefully. I don't want to get too excited just in case it, it underwhelms. But I feel like there's a lot of potential there theoretically following that because they're saying that's around mid 2021 so probably summer months uh late 2021 we're going to get miss marvel the kamala khan uh hero that was the main lead character for that avengers video game that came out uh last year and then lastly maybe lastly it's hard to tell if miss marvel or hawkeye are going to come out first seems like the hawkeye storyline is going to follow not exactly but at least be highly inspired by our matt fraction run um with kate that bishop that is and if it wasn't they were doing it wrong <laughs> right uh there is supposedly even a cast pizza dog so uh i'm very excited a little bit of lucky in there phil there's your <sighs> We'll get to it. That's fantastic. That's what I, I, I am. I am quite looking forward to that. Uh, and then just something that slid in right before we started recording. I had mentioned this before that Oscar Isaac was rumored to be Moon Knight. It has now been 100% verified that Poe Dameron himself will be playing Moon Knight when the MCU drops that on Disney Plus sometime in 2022. So a lot, I mean, that is a lot of, of hopefully quality television dropping on Disney Plus this year, pretty much nonstop, because if they do them weekly, which is my assumption, like they did Mandalorian, you're talking about nonstop Marvel television every single week for the most part for the year 2021. That's a lot. And that's just, that's just the Marvel stuff. Disney has another big property kicking off on Disney Plus, too. Isn't that right, Matt? That was great, Phil. It is. Now, that is a segue. That Fantastic. is about well done. time. Wow. I thought I was going to have to sneak a Poe Dameron reference in there myself to try to get it from Oscar Isaac over to Star Wars, but I'm glad that you did that for me, so this works out well. Um, so this is going to be a really short uh, introduction to what's going on here with the Star Wars, because there's only a couple of things coming out. It's not very much. So if you guys <laughs> want to take about a 20-minute bathroom break, you can go ahead and do so. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about what Disney Plus has released. So in celebration of Winter Solstice, Disney announced that back on December 21st, it would be releasing a whole series of shows that would be coming out based in the uh, Star Wars universe. One of the ones that we're going to start off with, the ones that have definitive dates or at least have started production or will start production in the short little bit. We know that there's going to be the Bad Batch, which is going to be following uh, a set of clones. This will be taking place shortly after the Clone Wars. 
That was from. The uh, that'll Wars be coming cartoon, out in right? 2021. Yes, oh, sir. That was from the Clone Wars cartoon, right? The Bad Batch. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Yep. Uh, we've got the Book of Boba Fett, which was uh, given a bit of a trailer when we saw the post-credit scene uh, for the end of the Mandalorian season two. Actually, it was the end of Mandalorian season two. Um, so that we know is coming, uh, and that's going to feature. Um, see, grab her name real quick because she's amazing in that. Uh, Ming Na Wen is going to pick up the character of Fennec Shand again, and we'll see Tamara Morrison picking up the role of Boba Fett, which I think we both can or we can all agree here were amazing, amazing additions to the Mandalorian. Can we talk um, about that? Did what, we talk about that? We have not. No, Mandalorian season two. Is it till? Is it still too soon? I know that we're probably. Talk to a group of people. I'm going to okay. teach, uh, teach you a little production note. Are you ready for this? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Spoiler alert in three, two, one, go. Well, I wasn't going to speak too much about the spoiler alert, but yeah, so Mandalorian Season 2 was probably, um, and I think it's been both critically and uh, fan acclaimed, been uh, an outstanding show to the end um, following the surprising reveal of a one Luke Skywalker at the end of Mandalorian season two. We got a little snippet of what's going to be happening with Mandalorian season three as well, or at least uh, I'm sorry, what's going on with Boba Fett. Um, so he's going to be picking up. He shoots uh, the gentleman who is uh, Boba or I'm sorry, Jabba the Hutt's left-hand man. Bib Fortuna. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they, he uh, caps him right at the very end, takes over his seat and looks like he's going to be running Tatooine for the foreseeable future. Um, that was so hardcore. Let me tell oh, you something. it was outstanding. So Let me tell you something. So that good. was I, the Luke thing was spoiled for me. <clears throat> me too. But, but you know what? It's still I watched it a second time because I had to. After the end of season two, I was so wrapped up on what was going on that I actually went back to the start of season one and rewatched it. And, and clearly, season two understood its tone much better than season one. Um, but my goodness, that is that, that show is the best Star Wars we've gotten since The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it is. I, you know, what? I thought that it was going to be really hard to top Rogue One, which I thought was probably one of the best Star Wars movies that's come out. Uh, certainly with the with the um, the three thens, the Skywalker saga. You know, I thought those were those are you know a couple of those were really serviceable. Sure, I you know I enjoyed them, um, but I really thought that Rogue One is probably my favorite one of all those things. I would say Mandalorian's probably coming close. To, to I thought that the Mandalorian season two was terrific even before the last five minutes of the final. Um, it was, yeah, I was enjoying it. I thought the, the, you know, the, the Easter eggs were cool. Uh, Ahsoka Tano yep. was fantastic. Exactly. Um, I wasn't right. even that familiar with her. I, I, I mean, the little I've, I've seen of Clone Wars, I found her annoying. Um, Sky well, guy. After the Marshall, you were set. Oh, I know. Are you kidding? I, Matt uh, texted me about that because Matt and I are both big justified fans. Um, and it's like, they gave me everything I possibly could have wanted. I mean, I was like Mandalorian season three could just be justified season six if that's what they want to do. Um, (laughs) but when the, this is to me, the first star Wars that enhances the original trilogy. Now, it really does. My, my, my feeling is I'll say this is the best star Wars we had, you know, Phil, you said since empire, I'll say since the original trilogy. I'm almost right there with you, but I'm a Jedi guy too, Return of the Jedi. But the points I want to make here, and I'm really curious to get your thoughts on this, Matt. Yours too, Phil. I know, Gary, you're not as into Star Wars, but you're in, being 
my my right hand you you are at least familiar enough to know what what's going on here yes um, i can follow along it's it is really truly the you know all other star wars installments in the movies you know i think to me i liked i rogue one was was okay i liked it just fine i really liked solo i don't know i mean call me crazy. i did too I thought that was an enjoyable is, movie. Of the movies, that's my fourth favorite movie. And but even then, those movies are most notable in the Star Wars fan base for not further damaging the original source material. Like, first of all, I think Matt, I think the kindest thing you could say about the sequel trilogy is that some of them were serviceable. Um, I don't know where you are on that. I know you and I had like a four-hour breakfast talking about The Last Jedi where I was completely, <laughs> completely on the other end of the spectrum from where you were. Yeah, you loved it. You said it was oh, great. I said it was questionable at best, a... but yeah, you no. really, really got into it. Was... <laughs> I believe I have audio documents from three years ago that prove that I went on like an hour and a half rampage about how much I was, how disappointed I was. Uh, about and to be movie. clear, the comment that got you started on that was like, I don't think The Last Jedi is that bad, is what I said. Yeah, and then that began right. a, a, a diatribe I had to tell epic you, proportions. I had to tell you how wrong you were even for that. The, the record scratched. Uh, folks, stop. No. I slammed my <laughs> coffee cup on the ground. <laughs> uh, all right, but Disney. Yep, so you would mentioned one out. of the so, – one of the things that I loved about the Mandalorian season two was the amount of fan service that it gave, but without it being too saccharine sweet. Right. Uh, one of the characters that they introduced is like you mentioned her before was Ahsoka Tano and she's going to pick up that character. Um, in Mandalorian season two, we know she's looking for Grand Admiral Thrawn, which is fan service for me oh, because yeah. he's easily one of my favorite villains uh, period, but definitely within the star Wars universe. So we're probably going to be seeing a battle. I don't know that Ahsoka is going to be, I I don't know if it's continuation in terms of a series or if it's just going to be a limited series. Um, we know that Rangers of the New Republic will be following um, Gina Serrano's character, uh, Cara Dune. Um, so we're excited about that one. She's a character that I thought really could use some fleshing out. I liked how everybody kind of alluded to her history, um, but I kind of, I'm excited to see where they decide to take her. Um, again, being a massive Rogue One fan, I'm excited to see what they're going to be doing with Andor, uh, with the character of Cassian Andor. Um, they're going to be looking at him as well. Um, there's this character, minor character from the original trilogy called Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, he also was kind of in the prequels. I don't know how much he came around, but apparently he's going to be coming back too. Uh, no, in all seriousness, I believe Ewan McGregor is going to be picking that back up. Um, controversial move on my part, um, and I think Reddit would agree with me for the most part. Uh, Hayden Christensen will be reprising his role as... Uh, whatever. As I'm, done. I, I'm done with that comment. As I, Darth Vader. There's one thing oh. to say about that. There's one thing to say about that. He has a mask on? No! Uh. Yeah, I, you know what? I, man, I, he's almost unforgivable. It, it's so bad. But then again, that's a good point. He'll have a mask on. He'll be leaning into the Darth Vader piece. He won't be Anakin Skywalker. But no, is. he's going to end up showing up as Anakin Skywalker. Come on. Unless that's they happening. flash back constantly. But he's Maybe he can handle the part now. Maybe he won't be creepily leering at a girl the whole time. I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to stay positive because of how good they've done with Mandalorian. But and I love Obi Wan and Ewan McGregor. I like so. I, Correct. Yeah. Do you have any idea what what like time frame this is supposed to take place in? 
It is after Revenge of the Sith. So we do know that much. It's about 10 years after Revenge of the Sith, from what I understand. Um, and it's going to be, Obi-Wan is supposed to be kind of uh, pretty shattered, from what I understand, in the series. So it's going to be him kind of picking up pieces after he loses. Uh, I mean, Luke was only uh, like Skywalker. What, 18 or something like that at the time. When What's when, that? So Luke was only like, what, 18 in New Hope, wasn't he? Correct, yeah. Yep. Okay, so I mean, there's really not a really huge window from the time that, you know, the twins were born. You know, until he became, you know, old. 18 years. I guess. Right. All right. Just hey, curious. man, that desert ages yeah. you quickly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we've got that uh, coming up. Um, then the Acolyte will be picking up kind of towards the tail end of the High Republic that we kind of previewed at the very beginning there. Um, so that'll be looking a little bit more at the dark side. Uh, we've got Lando. Um, we don't know if that's going to be um, with Billy D. Williams or if that's going to be Donald Glover, but we know that they're going to be doing Lando there. And then Star Wars Visions will be a, um, from what I understand, it'll be an animated series, but not done through CG. That'll be done for anime. And then the droid story will be a combination of uh, animation and um, uh, some real life uh, stuff that will follow some of the droid stories and things like that. Oh, it's going to be like Pete's Dragon. Sure. Yep. <laughs> the original Pete's Dragon. Man, that is a ton of stuff. I got to be honest. I didn't even know about the Lando thing. No. That's got to be the buddy movie. Remember the, the Lando Luke? Buddy movie we were oh, talking about? They'll never give us that. I don't care how much <laughs> stuff comes out. Unless that's like Billy D kind of having flashbacks and telling stories about when he was younger. That's well, and that's what they weren't sure mad. about. So they, yeah, they're, they're going to try to decide if that, you know, people are talking about whether or not that's going to be one of those things where maybe they bring both of them in. And it's one of those things where we're kind of hopping around the timeline a little oh bit so we God. can see both of them. That's what really made me mad about the sequel trilogy is they tell you that Luke and Lando were galaxy hopping looking for stuff. I'm like, you can't tell us that. Have them in the same freaking movie and not give it to us now. You guys are trolling and you didn't know. No, no. Well, Man. here's the thing. And, and if you told me that Luke was going to be in it and they were going to do the exact same thing in the Lando series that they did towards the end of Mandalorian. I oh, Correct me if I'm wrong here, but when they recreated Leia, the face was different. It was odd. There was there was a component to it that was a little strange when they tried to make her younger. I'm sorry, I should say that. Mm -hmm. When they tried to make her younger, and, and I believe it's Rogue One, um, there was a really strange CGI look to it. But the way that they did Luke Skywalker at the end of The Mandalorian, that looked real. Like, that actually looked like him. That did not feel like a CGI imaging of him. I See, thought that I was actually... Was, I actually have a complete opposite take on that. Yeah. I didn't, it didn't look good to me at all. Like, oh, I, see, I I thought now granted my, my bar was fairly low, but I, I thought that they did a nice job and that they didn't make his mouth move a whole bunch, but I which I think still kind of sold the gimmick a little bit. But. You know what though, that whole sequence was just like Disney owed us that and they knew it. And the whole setup for that sequence where I, I have to admit, if I hadn't seen it in real time, I'm sure the whole thing I'm thinking is like, No, it can't be. It can't be. They're gonna they're gonna screw us at the end here. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. like, uh, my God, it's the Undertaker. No, it's the Underfaker. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. There's so Goldberg. much. No. I mean, listen, Mandalorian has now set us up for this stuff. Like, I'm going to probably check out all of it until one of them sucks. Yes. So, man, that is a ton of stuff, though. Mm. Well, have fun with this, Gary. Well, well from one streaming service to the next, uh, Netflix. Uh, three years ago, it was announced that Netflix had purchased the Miller World which is the complete catalog of Scottish comic book artist Mark Miller's work. Uh, Miller, a former DC and Marvel artist, is known for titles like Kingsman, 
Kick-Ass, Old Man Logan, and other popular Marvel story arcs. Uh, Jupiter's Legacy was the first product. Project, excuse me. Miller was the executive producer and was a writer, along with Brian Gunn, Mike Gunn, and Stephen S. DeKnight. Uh, DeKnight stepped down in September of 2019, citing creative differences. I'm creative differences with the guy who literally wrote the entire universe that it's in. Um, filming for Jupiter's Legacy began in Toronto, Canada in July of 2019. Filming for eight episodes, season one, wrapped up in late January of 2020. Uh, the cast of note, uh, Josh Dumal as the Utopian. Um, I will forever know him as Colonel William Lennox from the Bayverse Transformers movies. Uh, British actor Ben Daniels as Utopian's brother Brainwave. Uh, he's known from The Crown, House of Cards, The Exorcist TV series, and Rogue One. Leslie Bibb as Lady Liberty, uh, best known as Carly Bobby in Talladega Nights, uh, reoccurring role in the Iron Man franchise, and what I know her best as, Megan, Pete's ex-wife from The League, which is a series about fantasy football. Voice actor Matt Lanter will be playing the primary villain, Sky Fox. Uh, he's had a lot of voiceover work as Anakin Skywalker and a few acting credits in some spoof movies you may have seen, such as Disaster Movie and Vampires Suck. Can they just get him for those Star Wars movies, those shows? Yeah. Uh, no official release date as of yet, but is expected uh, sometime this year in 2021. Uh, the King Kingsman and Kick-Ass films reportedly earned over a billion dollars globally, so... I guess with this catalog, they're expecting some pretty big things. Um, I've not really followed Miller um, outside once he left Marvel. So I think he was responsible for Civil War story arc. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. That sounds right. Yeah, because I know the old man Logan and he had a couple like the ones that the Marvel movies have been pretty much based off of, I think, were his story story arcs. So, I mean, he's got the gift. So, uh, Netflix is... Uh, they got some all good in. Plan for this. All in? They're all in. All right. Well, how about this one for you? Oh, uh, Walt man. Disney's recent acquisition of Fox has given them the rights to a Firefly franchise. According to a piece by Giant Freaking Robot, Disney is already considering a reboot... For their streaming service. Uh, the piece states, <clears throat> quote, my sources tell me that Disney is in early development on a Firefly reboot. The new show would start the story of Captain Mel Reynolds and his crew aboard the Serenity over from scratch mm. with an aim to make this a long running series on Disney Plus. There is a twist here and there. And the twist is that they see the show as an ideal family-friendly program for Disney+. Plus. Oh, My source boy. tells me they're planning to target it at more of a PG adventure, family audience, and less at a sort of PG-13 dynamic the original Josh Whedon show went for, unquote. Man, they're trying to sink Disney+. Plus. <laughs> yeah. Um, what remains unclear is what involvement, if any, Josh Whedon would have with this project. Uh, which a th shift in theming to a somewhat more family-friendly uh, story, he may opt out. Uh, for those unfamiliar, Firefly was an American space-western drama that was created by Whedon. 
It was set in the year 2517, at which time humans discovered a new star system. The show followed the crew of the Serenity, each with very different ways of viewing their place in the universe. Um, the series only ran for one season back in 2002 and was also expanded into a feature-length film, which failed to deliver at the box office. However, Firefly has since gone on to have a cult following, with many fans hoping for a reboot of some form. In my opinion, uh, family-friendly means no Inara. To me, that seems to be the big hang-up. She was a... Uh, what's, what's the polite escort. way of saying it? She was an escort. Yeah, she was an escort. She was a highly trained domestic escort to the rich and famous which i can see disney not wanting to step around but there was a lot of you know interaction between her and and mal you know i mean they were you know that that tension between the two um i started looking into you know i read it i'm like oh okay a reboot um there is not a lot of nice things being said about this um, I didn't translate these over, but let me let me just share a couple here. Oh, this ought to be good because this. Okay, this... Firefly reboot. Original series fans crying foul. Firefly fans are furious about the rumored Disney Plus reboot. Don't get too excited. Everything about it sounds bad. The only way this could sound worse would be if they announced they were casting the parts using only cast members from the 1980-81 season of Saturday Night Live. If anything, Firefly shouldn't be rebooted, but continued from the film. A reboot would be a soulless husk of what the original achieved. So, yeah, I, I was just, you know, looking around, looking around, and everything, nobody sounds happy about this. So. Well, what could they be happy about? Well, funny you should ask. <laughs> Boom Studios, uh, in 2018 along with writer and director Josh Whedon, released a comic book prequel to the fan-favorite series Firefly. But now, Boom Studios has announced a new Firefly spinoff comic book titled A Brand New Verse that's set 20 years after the Serenity film and focuses on a new crew on the same ship with a blood connection to the old one. Here's the official synopsis. Set 20 years after the events of Firefly, Serenity soars the verse once again with a new captain, Emma, the daughter of Wash and Zoe. The old crew of Serenity has gone their own way, and now Emma is working to prove herself to Zoe. Is it Zoe or Zoe? It's been a while. I don't remember. I think All right. it's Zoe. Alongside the new crew of castaways and misfits just trying to stay afloat. But when the Serenity takes a job from a familiar face... They discover that their new living, breathing cargo is far more than they bargained for and might bring them into conflict with the Alliance once again. So, Firefly. The exact same thing. Firefly, yes. Again, instead of doing a complete reboot, they're kind of like Firefly the next generation of sorts. All right. Uh, Josh Lee Gordon uh, of Firefly Bad Company and Fabiana Mascalo of Yasmin begin the new era for Josh Whedon's Firefly first appearance of an all-new cast, new adventure, and shocking new surprises. Firefly, a brand new verse number one, will be released March 10th of 2021. So, that I could be on board with. 
Not really digging the whole uh, restart reboot thing. I've read a bunch yeah. of the Firefly comics. They were already they were they were pretty good. Well, th- right. speaking of things that uh, have been met with very 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 lukewarm at best fan uh, appreciation, we're going to talk about the original version of the Justice League. Yeah, the the the, uh, the Zack Snyder version of the 2017 Oscar contender Justice League finally has a less ambiguous release date of March 2021. I still don't know if I'm interested in this. I really don't. But I have HBO Max because it came with my new cell phone plan. So I have to admit, though, it does represent something of a curiosity, doesn't it? That even though HBO Max says no, it was the fans that made this thing happen, right? Come on. I mean, they've been, for whatever reason... They were beating the drum about Justice League because I still remember, like when Josh Whedon came on board to finish that movie, everyone was freaking out and excited about it, and they threw him out real fast. And then everyone's like, "Oh, we have to bring Zack Snyder back." I'm like, "That's right," because Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman were so great. Um, they were great. They were excellent movies. I think they captured those characters perfect. Oh, I love what you're doing, man. But uh, at some point, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little tired, and I'm gonna rail on that foo. Um, so anyway, <laughs> Wonder Woman three, uh, from from Wonder Woman in a movie to Wonder Woman in yet another movie, um, Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman George Orwell director Patty Jenkins and WB announced that a third WW is on the way with HBO brass saying they are excited to bring the same team back and allow the planned three movie arc to conclude. This is the first time I recall hearing that Wonder Woman was supposed to be a trilogy, um, but <laughs> apparently. All along, that's what it was supposed to be. Now, Wonder Woman 1984 has managed to bring in nearly 100 million and shatter any metric of streaming records until Cobra Kai Season 3 did it about a week later, um, which, of course, will be shattered by, I assume, Stranger Things Season 4 and then by Boba Fett. Um, So, still, the the Wonder Woman impact is kind of hard to ignore, in a Marvel-dominated genre, given that half of HBO Max's total subscribers viewed 1984 within 24 hours of its availability. And I hear they all canceled their service after that. And that was <laughs> not, which is not a comment on Wonder Woman 84. They're like, great, here's my free week. Um, so, I don't know. I, I have not, as I mentioned, uh, there's no reason to say much more because I haven't actually finished watching Wonder Woman 1984. Well, here we go with more Superman movie rumors, everyone. Uh, you know, just as I'm pretty much tired of reporting on the, new, the next Star Trek film, and just as I was so sick of hearing about the Snyder Cut, here come more Superman movie rumors. And this time it's J.J. Abrams, who is uh, apparently uh, jumping in the director's chair. Multiple sources are reporting what are seemingly... This is seemingly conjecture, though uh, we got this covered building in the comics and inside the Matrix are citing rumors that J.J. Abrams is lining up writers for the DCEU to produce the next Superman movie. Most who travel in similar circles are well aware that Abrams flirted with Superman in the past with Superman Flyby back in the early 2000s. By all accounts, that movie came very close to happening, but was dropped in favor of Brian Singer's Superman Returns, and that's not all. Um, Giant freaking Robot, which is the second time we've mentioned him in this podcast, is claiming that they have an exclusive with Christopher Nolan returning to direct another Batman movie. Cursory search 
did not turn up any other sources to verify this claim. The article claims that the source is the same that provided them the exclusive that Wonder Woman 84 would be debuting on streaming because that was so hard to predict. No other info on this is available, but Giant Freaking Robot is a popular outlet, so this could be something to keep our eyes on and Stranger Things, of course, have occurred. Gary? Speaking of Giant Freaking Robots, Transformer Movie News. Uh, I know I've touched on this before, but since it's kind of my thing, uh, I'm going to update it. Uh, There are currently three Transformers movies in the works. The first, uh, from Paramount, is set to take place in the Bubblebee universe, but it is unclear as to whether it is a direct sequel or not. It was announced this past November that Stephen Capel Jr. is on to direct. He directed Creed 2, you know, if that tells you anything. Joby Harold, uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, is penning the script, and it is scheduled to hit theaters June 24th of 2022. There is a Beast Wars project in the works. James Vanderbilt, who wrote the Zodiac film series and currently working on Scream 5, is writing the script. And finally, there is an animated prequel in the works. Josh Cooley of Toy Story 4 fame is on to direct. With the working title of Transformers 1, it is reported to occur entirely on Cybertron, the Transformers' home planet. Andrew Bearer and Gabriel Ferrari, who have writing credits on the Ant-Man films, are working on the script, scheduled for a 2023 release. How do you and feel that about is that? all we know. How do you feel about that? Um, the PTSD still hasn't uh, let up yet, so... Like... <clears throat> I want to say I'm a little more excited about the animated one, uh, especially with the comic series I'm reading now, which are all, you know, Cybertron prequels. I haven't seen the Bubble Me movie yet, so I, I haven't, you know, again, gotten that I shock out of my system yet. I still have PTSD of my own seeing that first Transformers with you in the theater. <laughs> and again, Beast Wars was something I never really hooked my teeth into. I tried. You know, we went over that segment about our, our, our regrets, things we wish we could, set, you know, throw back. My, my number one was some of the Beast Wars figures I picked up. Uh, I just never, never got into it. So, like, I'm excited about it, but I will wait until I see them because I don't want to be hurt again, I guess is the best way to phrase that. Oh, you poor guy. I know. It's tough. Uh, I wish you could all see his pain. All right, let's talk about something less painful. Yes, please. Let's move on to Marvel Studios. Oh, man. Yeah, there's always more. There's more. (laughs) Uh, After the drought, we had to pick up. So almost a full year after its original projected release date black widow is set to release may 7th as of now they're saying it's theater but i have a sneaking suspicion it is going to be similar to what they did with wonder woman um i would not be surprised if we start seeing that more and more and more with film uh take that as you will it's either a good thing in your opinion or a bad uh i like going to the movies and i hope at some point i can do that comfortably again Mm. Uh, so that's May 7th, Black Widow's uh, official, air quotes, uh, release date now. 
uh, outside of the main Marvel Cinematic Universe, the sequel to Venom will be dropping June 25th with the subtitle Let There Be Carnage. If you saw the first film, which <laughs> it's not terrible, but it's strangely entertaining, no matter how you want to take it. Um, I, I don't know. Did he, any of you guys see it? No, but can I tell yes. you something? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, go ahead, Matt. No, I was just going to say, I, I'm in the exact same boat as you, Phil. I think we have a very similar opinion of it. I I walked out of there. I, I went in there with no expectation. Yep. I went in there because I'm I'm a Thomas Hardy fan, and, and it's a comic book movie, and it's the middle of summertime, and I'm all for it. And I walked out, and I was like, that, that wasn't bad. I, am, I was entertained. Right. I was That's, entertained. It's, it gave me what I wanted from it. See, my, exactly. My, uh, my, my thing about that is, like, you know, doing this podcast for as long as I have with Phil – and I, I, I can't say Phil is a Marvel apologist because so many of their movies have been so darn good. I mean, they, they've had very few misses. But for Phil to say it was, it was entertaining. That's basically as bad a review I've heard him give about a Marvel movie. I mean, it was a popcorn movie. It was an action movie. He's saying it, it, it sucks. Is what no, it does. no, no, it doesn't that, suck. That's, that's the thing. Really, it's that a serviceable be, film. That's what I would be saying. <laughs> Because no, 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 no. It's it's strange because I think how it got described afterwards was like it's a one of the more unique buddy comedies. It, it was just it just had a really strange tone to it, but it actually was pretty good. I mean, it, it was it was to the level that I'm actually excited to see the sequel, and the idea of seeing Carnage makes me happy too. Well, you're talking it, to the guy who did not like Thor Ragnarok the first time he saw it. Wait. So. I we talked about this in a previous podcast, yeah, and I I, you I, I, nuts, I turned out I, yeah. I went I went on the other side though I saw it again you did and yeah. I liked it yeah so whatever for whatever <laughs> reason where whatever space I was in my head that was not what I needed at that moment and it was not the movie's fault no okay well, let me ask you this question um, since you said it was entertaining uh-huh. what is your attachment to the character Venom uh, I was under the impression that this is not like per comic book it's definitely removed because there's a whole licensing thing with Spider-Man at the time that they couldn't have Spider-Man. The rumor is that uh, now they can use um, Tom Holland and he may actually show up in this Venom. Uh, So we might see the overlap. My relationship with Venom is strange. I liked him a lot when I was super young, ended up really, really disliking the character uh, for a large portion of my life. And then there was a run of uh, Agent Venom, which was Flash Thompson as Venom for a while, which I really did enjoy. And then it fell off really hard. And now Venom is on my short list of like some of my favorite Marvel comics. Uh, they've been unbelievable in the last couple of years. They're, they're starting to lose a little bit of steam now. But uh, I mean, if you've been listening to the podcast and I know Darren can attest, I, I gush over those Venom comics so much so that I lent them to Tim and uh, he and his son have been reading through them. Um, and, and I mean, they're, they're impressive. So, and that is for the most part, sans Spider-Man. So Venom can stand very well on his own. And Eddie Brock Venom is, it has a very special place in my heart. Okay. Is, is the comic book Venom that is currently there, does he still have the secret wars connection or has that been kind of disavowed at this point? It exists. Like the whole Venom, I if I get into the whole 
breakdown of the Clintar and the the symbionts and all that mess. We'll be here all night, okay. uh, which which Fair is enough. not worth our time. We can have this conversation off air, uh, Gary, if you really want to go deep into it. But there's still the connection. Um, Eddie Brock will always know that Spider Man is Peter Parker uh, because of the the contact between the the suit. Okay, but not in the movie. There's not in the movies because in the okay. movies Peter Parker has never had the suit. Right. Okay, that's where I'm. So again, me with the Transformers movies, you know, having my background and the attachment to the characters, going in to see the Michael Bay and have them just com- completely twist it, and then for you to have to say that the movie was still entertaining. I, that's why I didn't know how your connection to the character was. If you could detach yourself that much to actually enjoy the film. Or if you were focused on the character so much. Well, I, I've said this before too that you have to approach these movies, especially like the MCU movies, um, as in it is another universe. It's not. It's not the main universe that is going on in the comic books, because there is a very well established multiverse, which is going to be introduced, and I'm going to talk about here pretty shortly, actually. Um, that multiverse. This is just one of those versions of it, and it fits well. And I think that's how Venom is going to actually tie into Spider-Man is the multiverse idea that even these movies that don't exist in the same universe as the comic books, these Sony movies, uh, your your Venoms and the whatnot, uh, they they tie in as a multiverse thing. But but again, we're we're getting deep deep into the multiverse this year going into next year. All right. so if you can go in with that thought process of this is not the comic and this is its own universe, I think it's more enjoyable. Now, if you expect it to be the same story that you've read, you're, you're going to be very disappointed. Fair right. enough. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Moving forward. Uh, after Venom, I pu- I'm putting these in orders of release date. Uh, this is the one that Darren is the most excited for. Shang-Chi is July. So summer break. And hopefully we'll be able to see it in the theater by then. That'll be fantastic. Well, I know my, uh, I have a, I think I'm on retro next month and I know what my retro after that's going to have to be. It's going to be Shang-Chi. Next month is actually Gary. Is it Gary? I thought I changed that. All right. No, no, unless we're, unless we're shifting that, we can talk in between. Yeah, I'll have to figure that out. But Shang-Chi is July. Uh, you might want to put Shang-Chi to July anyway, if uh, it's coming out then. Uh, November 5th is Eternals. Funny thing. They just started a new Eternals comic. And it like sold like hotcakes because we're doing that, right, Phil? Reading it, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get it for November. Um, this is going to introduce mutants to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, opening the door to finally get an X Men movie, which they're starting to sniff around. Um, but it seems like we're going to get a Fantastic Four movie first, which we're not talking about tonight. We'll approach that on another episode because that is not this year the final marvel cinematic universe movie for the year is the one i'm the most worried about Spider-Man three uh we are getting the multiverse there's going to be some doctor strange bouncing between uh it is basically confirmed at this point that we are getting toby mcguire andrew garfield spider-man mixed into this we might even get a flicker of the spider-verse uh versions with miles morales and all of those things Spider-Ham, Spider-Ham. Maybe Spider-Ham, uh, which would be just a shame if they're going this crazy with it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm really worried about the too many villains, too many heroes, too many everything uh, problem that we run into with these films. Marvel's done it well in the past with Avengers, but... man, Spider-Man 3s have a curse, and I'm really worried that the curse is going to carry into this film. But we'll find out 
you can be relaxed because Spider-Man 2 was such a turd of a film that, there. I mean, if it's cursed, maybe that's the one that's cursed out of yes, the three. Yes, that's what I've been trying to tell Phil. Spider-Man Far From Home was terrible. That It's already out of the chamber. You're in good shape, <laughs> Phil. I, I also disagree that it was terrible. Well, you're wrong. It wasn't terrible. It was I, not I don't think it was terrible. I, think, I do think it was weaker than Homecoming, but I, I don't think it was terrible. I am very, very nervous about three. I'm hopeful that it's going to be good, but I think I have the right idea to go in cautiously with the, with the overflux. Of, and I just don't like Andrew Garfield as a Spider-Man, and I'm concerned about him being brought deeper in. That's the funny thing, like I was saying last month, that that Flash movie and the Spider-Man movie, it's like they're at, it's like they're having a schoolyard argument. Like, well, we got Michael Keaton. Oh yeah, well we got Tobey Maguire. And yeah, then they went it, and got the least popular version. So we got Ben Affleck. Oh yeah, well, we got Andrew Garfield. <laughs> I honestly, I honestly just wish they would have let Spider-Man be Spider-Man instead of trying to use it as the transitionary movie into the next year of films with with doc strange doing the multiverse and that's when we're going to get the fantastic four and probably the x-men and all these things tied in because now that realm is open and and it's just i don't know i i'm scared that they're using it for the wrong and it's not going to be as good as i want it to be being such a strong spider-man fan and a apologist i guess for far from home um I just, I, I don't know. I'm really, really concerned. Excited, cautiously. But. So would it be Spider-Man's or Spider-Men? It is actually not. It does not have a name yet. I would not be surprised if they called it Spider-Men. All right. Because, I mean, he's Spider-Man is a proper noun, so I don't know if there'll be multiple Spider-Mans. I want Spider-Bros. All right. Anyway. They did a Spider-Man comic book, actually. That was Peter Parker and Miles Morales uh, from the two, uh, the Ultimate Universe. It was was actually good back then. That was Bendis writing it, though. Uh, But I digress. So that is all of the, that's all the Disney movies coming, right? Disney can't possibly have any more properties putting out movies anytime soon. But wait! Well, it's funny you should say that, Phil, because uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about some Star Wars property. Again, this is a... This is an independent arts house project that they decided to pick up now. It's a future Star Wars movies we got coming down the pipe. You guys brought up Patty Jenkins um, with the Wonder Woman uh, 3 that's going to be upcoming. She's also going to be directing Rogue Squadron, which will be released in 2023. Um, so we don't really know much about this necessarily, but I'm actually kind of excited for to hear her voice uh, and to see what she does. In it. Um, we did kind of mention that Wonder Woman 84 was... Um, Using and disjointed, uh, I believe is how I, I turned to my wife and said that was an interesting film to watch. Um, I did not watch it all in one sitting. I kind of lost too much interest and, and really kind of given up. And then I came back and at least wanted to watch the big boss scene. But um, but she'll be taking over the helm. I, I really did enjoy the first Wonder Woman. So I'm actually very, very excited to see what she does with this one. Um, to an even uh, in terms of uh, handling property that I really enjoyed, uh, Taika Waititi is going to be coming back. Um, we all know him as IG-11 um, in the Mandalorian series, but also probably uh, directing one of the best, um, really one of the, I think it might actually be my favorite movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which was Thor Ragnarok in terms of its rewatchability. Now, it didn't have the impact 
that uh, some of the other ones had. Uh, Infinity War is still probably maybe the one of the ones that left me the most impacted. Um, but at the same time, the one that really I just really enjoyed from top to bottom. So he'll be taking over the Star Wars movie. No idea necessarily what that one's going to be about. Um, going so back, what was that? Tyke is so good. Everything he touches oh. is so good. What he really do? does have a yep. Ragnarok. I've been on the Taika Waititi thing since about 2007 when he was a co-creator of Flight of the Concords and when I saw <laughs> What We Do in the Shadows, the movie. And, Outstanding uh, documentary. Oh, Outstanding documentary. I did not know that was happening. <laughs> and the TV show is actually even better. So. <laughs> yeah, no, he's got a nice touch. He's got a good voice, and I'm excited to see uh, what he does with that. Um, also excited, and in, in, although I, you know, I do agree with some of the reservation here. Ryan Johnson is going to be going forward with the trilogy. Um, now, this was talked about back when the Last Jedi was released, and I know they tabled some of the conversation, and a lot of the um, the speculation was that the Last Jedi was so critically panned, it did so much, it did fine at the box office, but clearly did not hit the mark of its predecessors. Um, so at any rate, looking back on it, they'd given him, um, you know, kind of free reign to run around and, and discover his own trilogy. So from what we understand, they're going to continue going with that. Um, there's going to be Kevin Fahey is going to be picking up um, as well. Uh, so we know him as the mastermind behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe, at least phase three uh, and phase two for sure. Um, he's going to be joining uh, forces and in getting into Star Wars, which he's reportedly an extremely large fan of. That should be a shock to no one. Uh, and then J.D. Dillard, I'm not familiar with who this person is, and, and, and I know there's not a whole lot of information about what they're going to be doing necessarily with this one. Um, but nonetheless, uh, those will be the movies that will be coming forward. So not a whole lot of definitive information. The only title that we have is the Rogue Squadron one, but we do know that we're going to be getting some big-name directors, like we said, with Patty Jenkins and Taika and uh, Ryan Johnson going to be uh, in, uh, at the helm for some of these films. And I am I'm excited to see it because I, as somebody described it earlier today. Star Wars is an awfully big sandbox to play around in, so we should be able to see fun stuff. Well, uh, from one large sandbox to one really really old one, um, Lethal Weapon Five, because they didn't squeeze enough out of that with a apparently a TV show that uh, was all over the news for a while. I'm not gonna make any jokes because I got to tell you something. I am all for this, and I'm excited about it. It's confirmed just a few days ago. Mel Gibson is back. Danny Glover is back. Richard Donner is back. And uh, those of you who know me know I know Richard Donner very, very well because he directed Superman the movie and Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut, as it's uh, very appropriately titled. No word on other characters such as Butters from Chris Rock. Got to bring him back. Lorna Rene Russo, of course, she'll be back. But Joe Pesci did come out of retirement for The Irishman, which I loved. Um, and I'm kind of hoping he'll make another exception for Leo Getz. It's hard to imagine another Lethal Weapon movie without him. Um, now they did come out and say that the plot will see an aged Riggs and Murtaugh in some sort of trouble. No CGI de-aging will be used. Uh, come on, man. I mean, if they still have that chemistry, that it should be, it should be fine. I mean, I feel the same way about this as I feel about the next Indiana Jones. I'm not going to probably be buying... Mel Gibson fighting the same way he did when we last saw Lethal Weapon 4. But, I mean, if they, you know, they've already started playing I'm the too old for this stuff with Danny Glover. And now I wonder what he's going to say. If if the magic chemistry is still there, this thing's going to be just so, fine. 
So this is not going to be a big screen release of the Always Sunny in Philadelphia Lethal Weapon 5, correct? I kind of hope it is, but <laughs> um, I, 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 probably not, Phil. I, I, but we can hope, right? I think there's room to hope. Um, okay, so here's an odd little nugget. And I got to be honest, I, I am approaching this next story a little bit apprehensively. Thought about cutting it given the events of the last 24 hours. So how do I put this delicately, uh, given that this man's name incites such extreme responses as we so tragically experienced? All right, I'm going to give it a shot. A high-ranking federal government septuagenarian managed to attach an addendum to the most recent economic relief package. How was that? Sure. Okay. So anyway, that bloviating crud bucket included legislation that started the clock directed at the federal government's data on UFOs, or as the updated language states, unidentified aerial phenomena, UAP. So we are clear about this. A statement from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence has confirmed that this is true, and the story has been reported by all major news outlets. The countdown began on December 20th with the relief package being signed into law. The countdown is is set to expire June 24th, to be exact, my wife's birthday. Authorities remain baffled as to the identity of the addendum's originator. I will stay on this story all night if I have to. Um, Listen, we live in very strange times. I thought about cutting this story, but... As Phil will attest, this is something I have been following on the podcast for quite some time. I personally am a skeptic, um, but I really want to know what the U.S. government knows. I know uh, back in the summer they did release uh, some video footage in in the U.S. Navy admitted that, yes, we do know of UFOs or UAPs. They were, they, you know, the story though, they did never said that they believed these things were anything alien in nature. We'll see. I am, I approach this very skeptically that a, there is a, a civilization. I'm sure, listen, the, 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 the odds that there is something out there are astronomically high, just given the amount of potential that there is out there. But you're asking two different questions, right guys? You're asking, is there intel- is there intelligent life out there? Yeah, I mean, I once heard it put, and it's not, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson once said, there are more stars in the sky, meaning there are more planets in the sky than there are grains of sand on planet Earth. So the odds alone that there's intelligent life out there are you're astronomically high. But the second question becomes, is that intelligent life advanced enough to have spacecraft that have faster than light travel or that are so far advanced, hundreds, maybe thousands of years advanced beyond us that they're able to travel. Those are two completely separate questions. I'm interested to see how this shakes out. I really would like to get your thoughts on this. Matt, let's start with you. Excellent. Now, um, I, you know, mathematically speaking, and I understand that, you know, you just kind of touched on this. There absolutely is life forms outside of here. And as you said, you know, each one of those stars that we see in the sky potentially is its own little solar system. So um, the likelihood that there is a planet with a civilization on it is absolutely, I, I can't say guaranteed. Um, but again, mathematically, it, it's definitely probable. 
Um, with that said, uh, it would be very, very hard for me to believe that we've made contact with any of these things. Um, at best, what we can hope for is similar to what we did with the Voyager when we sent it out into space and hoped that it landed someplace. Maybe we've got some relics or something like that that was sent to us uh, with the same kind of possibility. I'd be excited to see something like that, but I don't know. I, I, I <laughs> It would be very, very hard for me to believe that the government is capable of keeping this a secret for this long with as many fingers that would have touched it and as many people as this would have made contact with. Yeah, we're talking just 70, very hard for me what, to 75, 80 years almost at this point. That's just it. And, and the sad part about it is is uh, similar with criminals who inevitably end up getting caught. Uh, everybody wants to be told that everybody wants their genius to be recognized. Right. And it's hard for me to believe that um, we would have gone this far without somebody wanting to be recognized for being the person who discovered aliens. And it's just it's hard. It's hard for me to buy into it. But, hey, I'd be excited at the idea of, of something just to to affirm that there are things out there but yeah that that's my opinion on it but i'm excited i'll see it i'll look forward to it gary i have to believe that there is like you said just by the odds that there is something else out there my i guess take on that is if they are that far advanced that they can travel you know beyond the speed of light in outer space what would they care about us <laughs> well if they've been watching you know, recently maybe they're like you know what Let's just leave them alone. I mean, unless it's like, you know, like the, the, the original, you know, Star Trek where, you know, they're keeping eyes on us because we're about to, you know, learn how to travel in space. You know, the first contact, you know, movie, hmm. you know, so unless it's like an observation like that, but I don't think they're down here of like, you know, abducting people and probing them. And like, I don't think they need that kind of information. If they could travel through space, I think they could just scan us. You know, if they really need to know that kind of stuff. That's a good point. Phil? Um, oh, sorry, Gary. No, that that's about it, really. Okay, hold up. I need to get my tinfoil hat real quick. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I, I agree mathematically. It's I, I think it's impossible that we're the only intelligent, and I'm using that word very loosely, uh, <laughs> beings in, out there. Um, aliens are COVID, and uh, they're slowly killing us. Again, a joke. I, I mean, I agree completely with Matt. The idea that there's no way, unless unless you're a complete conspiracy theorist that thinks that these people that have slipped these photos out or um, those crazy people that claim all these things that get put away are, are the people that are blowing the whistle that want to be the ones that have, have found aliens throughout the years. Unless you want to believe those people. I, I truly don't think that we're going to get anything crazy. I I wouldn't be surprised if there was some technology that fell from the skies that was found by the government and they tucked it away to do research on. And I think that would probably be the biggest thing that we would find more so than, Hey, we've been like chilling with this alien race forever. And, you know, we're just sharing things with each other. I, I would, that would, and if I, it was space debris like that, I'd be bored. Yeah. That would, that would spark my imagination beyond anything. I mean, that would be enough for me. And I think that is probably the absolute most that, and again, that is not me saying that that exists. That's me saying that that would be the furthest that I would go and go, okay. If they're like, Hey, meet Zhangno, I'd be like, uh, okay, that's, that's a lot. Like, just let's keep moving. I hadn't even considered that. And Matt, you and Phil are right. Uh, something that's manipulated, non-organic constructed. That would blow my mind too. You're right, Matt. 
Mm-hmm. Lizard people. <laughs> <laughs> have an episode of V coming up here. <clears throat> well, in another story I've been following, um, the continuing saga of Billy Mitchell. And it's been following for a long time now. Every now and then I like to check in on our old friend Billy, who at one time achieved several classic gaming firsts, including holding records for Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, Burger Time, Centipede. When I last reported on this story, it was during Carolyn John's free comic book day midnight release party 2019, or for the the initiated, the initiated C&J's FCBD MNRP. Um, The Guinness Book of World Records had determined that Billy Mitchell's scores should be invalidated as he did not post the scores on original game motherboards this is a very watered down explanation essentially it purports that emulation software was used to achieve the scores now there is some debate as to whether or not that matters but why it does matter to billy mitchell is because this was his argument against seattle-based teacher steve weeby's score which surpassed mitchell's original donkey kong score now, this Greek tragedy played out in the excellent King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters documentary way back in 2007. If you've not seen it, you've got to check this movie out. In 2018, okay. Mitchell's records were erased by Twin Galaxies, the official holder of all gaming records. Mitchell was also banned from submitting any subsequent scores. Since that time, Mitchell has claimed that he is being defamed by Twin Galaxies, and according to an article from Ars Technica, the lawsuit has reached the minimum merit to proceed, which is literally nothing in legal terms. While this is occurring, the Guinness Book of World Records has reversed its disqualification of Mitchell's scores, citing existing evidence and newly sourced eyewitness testimony plus new expert gameplay analysis and hardware verification. This was reviewed before reversing the decision. In the end, they go on to state that they found there just wasn't sufficient evidence to support the disqualification across the board. Now, that statement was made to The Verge in an article from June 2020. The clear, obvious question becomes, what possible motivation could Twin Galaxies have to trigger a plot to claim Mitchell is a cheater. This sort of reminds me, Gary, of Dana Carvey's The People's Choice when he he, he drummed up the whole thing about the OJ conspiracy. Like, why does there need to be a conspiracy against OJ? And he plays up like Bill Clinton just one day going, you know what? We got to get OJ <laughs> just out of the blue. Yeah, we I sure get- love those Naked Gun movies, but we got to get you this. Know, we got to get that guy. Um, so, plus, in the 13 years... Since Fistful of Quarters came out, nothing from the documentary has been challenged with any merit whatsoever. Now, for those who have seen it, founder of Twin Galaxies and former CEO of Twin Galaxies, Walter Day, and Steve Wiebe come off as the two most lovely guys you could possibly ever want to meet. They seem like such nice and sweet people, and Billy Mitchell does himself no favors in this movie. He actually comes off very unsympathetic and bully-like in his attempts to disqualify Weeby's scores. This I can't. This thing just won't end. I, I I don't know why, but I'm fascinated with this story. Um, if you don't know Billy Mitchell, if you look at a picture of this guy, he's out there with thumbs up. You you've seen this guy a million times in your life. Um, 
this thing is just it just won't end and this story won't end and this guy he is man you he thinks he cured cancer i'm telling you what this guy billy mitchell he got some big time scores in pac-man and donkey kong and he's like i have won the nobel prize everybody i mean my goodness phil you've seen this movie right yeah how did billy mitchell come off to you Mm. exactly you need yeah like he thought he was god's gift yeah just for beating a pac-man score and as soon as someone came up he's like oh no 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 that didn't happen that didn't happen anyway if you guys haven't seen the movie go check it out it's uh it's really fun to watch it's not like a depressing thing at all it's a really fun movie to watch and you'll watch there with your mouth agape going who the hell does this guy think he is um (laughs) all right gary well, from the story that doesn't end to some things that actually are ending in 2021. Is that better? Sure. That was that good. Way? Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, it's not really big news, but it was something that caught my interest. Uh, we have a couple of series cancellations this year. Uh, after three seasons, Disney's animated DuckTales will be running their final season in 2021. Uh, stars Danny Pudi from Community, Ben Schwartz from Parks and Recreation, and Bobby Monahan, it was Saturday Night Live, as the voices of Huey, Dewey, and Louie, respectively. Uh, they're taken in by their miserly Uncle Scrooge McDuck, voiced by David Tennant. Never heard uh, of Three seasons, 75 episodes, and more than 15 shorts. Uh, while physical production has wrapped, DuckTales continues to be available on Disney Channels and Disney+. Plus. Around the world, and fans will get an epic season finale in 2021. Have you guys watched it at all? I saw the animation for that, and I bowed out right away. I heard good things. Well, I had two. I just, you know, it, it wasn't the DuckTales I grew up with, and I don't know. Yeah, the voiceover, the voice acting is actually really solid. Like, the, the people that you just mentioned, they do a nice job with it. I only watched a couple episodes with my boys, but, yeah, it's I, I didn't stick with it. Obviously, there's a little bit of nostalgia that goes along with wanting to watch it, but that was about it. I saw David Tennant was attached, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. Yeah, right. exactly same. All right, uh, Supergirl on the CW will be coming to a close after the upcoming 20-episode Season 6. Uh, they had about 3 million viewers in Season 2, and about half of that, 1.6 million in Season 5. Uh, plus 2020 production delays, just kind of, you know, writing was on the wall. Uh, also, ending after Season 6, Lucifer. Uh, my wife watches this, which is why it caught my eye. Uh, season five was interrupted, so the second half of season five and season six will end this year. Uh, I was actually surprised to find out that that was a comic book property. Uh, part of what Marvel Dark, I think, was. I think so. Kind. Anyway, uh, Shameless will be calling it quits and planning for a spring 2021 season finale. The show has run for 11 seasons on Showtime. Um, I've never watched it, but I have heard great things that it was binge-worthy. Very, Uh, very adult. And here is the reason, mostly just so I could say this, Keeping Up with the Kardashians will be signing off after 14 years in its 20th season. Gary, you're fired. Hey, all right, 2021, we win. The final season is slated to air in early 2021. How Uh, did you bring that? Oh. This is already the most attention I have ever given this show. But the fact that it's been on it for 14 years, I felt it was mentioned worthy. You brought us all down like a few. No, that's a positive thing. That's bad. Darren, look at it this way. We won't ever have to watch them on TV in this capacity. Right. And that's kind of 
until these spinoff shows begin, which inevitably will. Well, all right, all right, I'll, Gary, you're 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 rehired. Okay, um, th- this one's worse, unfortunately. But I'm hanging on um, to those nudes. <laughs> After 28 years behind the desk as a talk show host, Conan the O'Brien will call it a wrap on June of 2021. Uh, it will not be the last you see of him, however, as he will be hosting a weekly variety show on HBO Max. I'm excited about that. I love Conan O'Brien. I do too. The I cannot calculate the level of influence he has had on my sense of humor. It's just yes, exactly. And think of an untethered variety show with Conan at the helm. I I can't. It's going like, to be great. I can't wrap my head around what it could possibly be like. Um, I have, there is a, a show on called Super Show that I think is oh Superstore. I'm sorry, it's like about like a Walmart type place. Uh-huh. There's a character on there. Um, I, th- I think he's wheel- wheelchair bound in there, but he was actually a member of Dudes of Plenty, mm-hmm. um, which was Conan's boy band they tried to put together. Um, I think he had two segments with them. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know said. when it's supposed to launch, but I know he somehow was able to get work out a deal with NBC where he can go back and now he can show all of his old stuff. Oh my god! Oh, really? I may not watch anything else for like a full year because that's amazing. What, when was he on? Uh, was it Tonight Show for like a year before they? Yeah, it was before Jay Leno took it back. Yeah, it wasn't even that long. There was a one or two episodes where I, I well, he knew he was on his way out, and he was just basically like what they had the uh, the Tonight Show mouse. It was basically like a this like luxury sports car with like little ears on it. And they they were playing like Led Zeppelin, like some Led Zeppelin song. He's like, you know, the price of this segment was $8.2 million. (laughs) Basically blowing through their budget, like in one night kind of a thing, just kind of, you know, on his way out kind of a thing. His recurring characters are on par with Saturday night lives best. Like the something bear, I was just going to say, we can't say that. Vomiting Kermit. (laughs) (laughs) The bear. I remember the bear. Okay. Oh, my God. The reveal of the One of my favorite bits is whenever he would take the mouths of the celebrities, so he'd just put a still picture of the the celebrities out there and just do the things that they were saying. Oh, God, that was the best. Arnold Schwarzenegger was the best. Yeah, and Bill Clinton. And Bill Clinton. Clinton. Yep, yep. Bill Clinton was outstanding. (laughs) 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 Yee-haw! Yeah, like, like you said, the, the way that we influenced our senses of humor, it was just... I mean, and by the way, let's not forget, what, seasons two through eight, he was the executive producer of The Simpsons, which is the mm-hmm. sweet spot for The Simpsons. Oh my god, like, legendary, like, maybe the greatest run in television history. My daughter really likes The Simpsons, and she started watching it, and I we watched up to, like, season four before it would disappear. And I know it's on Disney plus now, you know, it looks terrible on that Disney plus, but I mean, if ever there was something that was really, really strange and out of left field and a reference, you probably didn't quite get, but was still somehow really, really funny. That was Conan O'Brien's stamp right there. Uh, I listened to his podcast. I love his podcast. Um, Conan O'Brien needs a friend with the chill chums. Uh, it's just, and he, and he always comes off as just an, a wonderful human being. So he's an easy guy to root for. 
And I'm glad you went to. I'm glad you brought this up, Gary, because I, I this somehow slipped me, and I, I saw that when it was. He's doing a travel show or something on now too, doesn't he? Yeah, he's uh, done. That's he, done. Yeah, it's um because he was. You know, I saw this and I, I looked it up. I'm like, oh my god, it's. I, I I'm uh, I can't say enough good things about Conan O'Brien. He might be on my Mount Rushmore. I, I somewhere I still have an I'm with Coco T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> The, the pompadour silhouette. Oh God, yeah. I mean, <laughs> guy's unmistakable. So uh, yeah, that, that's uh, again, that was sort of the the point of that whole segment was to get around to Conan. Well, I mean, at least he's not going to be gone, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, almost thirty years he was there. You know, right. that, that's again, that's one of those. You know, for as long as I can remember, you know, watching late night TV, he was mm-hmm. always there. Yeah. All right, so I have to say this. It's one of my favorite jokes of all time, and it actually caused me to a girl to stop talking to me that I was trying to date. She was trying to buy a Ford Taurus. And Conan O'Brien has the greatest line about Ford Taurus. Any car ever. Any joke about a car is not as good as his joke about the Ford Taurus. When they actually originally discontinued the Ford Taurus for a minute. Have you guys heard this joke? Where, where he says... um. And Ford finally discontinued the Ford Taurus. Finally, 30-somethings will have to find another car that says, I've given up on my dreams. <laughs> oh, that's uh, I thought you were going to tell, but that's probably better for air. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so not a whole lot of... All right, Phil, I'm going to set this one up for you. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Let's hear it. We don't have a whole lot of Conan O'Brien on the talk show to look forward to. But later this month, we're going to talk about all the things that we are looking forward to in the year 2021. So we will, all four of us, see you a little bit later this month. And until then, what? I felt like Darren interrupted me. Fighting words. Remember, you can always follow us on Instagram, uh, panel scanners. And regardless, until you hear from us later this month, enjoy your comics.